The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino back from my mini vacation and joining me today are Rob Newell and Nathaniel James. Rob, first I have to thank you for hosting in my absence. I knew you guys would do great and you did. It was wonderful. Um, I should explain that our friends Depak and James are off this week to spend some quality time with their significant others. So we will get to welcome to the show today. Nathaniel, welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, the 49ers played the Cardinals last week. <laughs> uh, that was a tough game. They really, both teams really tried to give each other the game last week, but the Cards did end up winning in overtime after a quick drive down the field where, for the only touchdown of the game. Can you believe that? Um, so in the group on Facebook, talked a lot about what needs to improve. And one of the biggest discussions we had in the group was about benching Hoyer. I'm curious about your thoughts as of this date. Uh, thanks, Kat. For me, no. Brian Hoyer is an experienced quarterback. And to be honest, the real issue is the offensive line, especially the internal line. And if we put a rookie quarterback down there, which is the only other option we would have if we were to bench Hoyer, rookie's going to get killed with the lack of experience. So if, in my opinion... We keep Brian Hoyer and play out the season and see where we are in 12 months' time. So I tend to agree with you on that. Um, what do you think, Nathaniel? Yeah, I agree with Rob. I think that we really need to keep Hoyer at the moment. Um, I think that he was put under a lot of pressure from uh, the defense, the Cardinals' defense last week. Uh, well, sorry, the Sunday. Um, but I think that obviously, you know, it, it, it's hard for him because I think he's... Although he's used to Shanahan's offensive system, I think that you think about the players that he has around them, sorry, around him, he's got, you know, a few rookies now. And, I mean, Garcon didn't play his best game, but I think that, in a sense, you know, these, these guys are new to him and he's still, I know that, you know, we're starting to sound like a broken record, but quite honestly... I think we just need to give him time to kind of get used to, you know, how the players are playing. And I know it wasn't the best of games, but I think we really do need to stick with Hoyer. And I know a lot of the discussion was centered around if we had a different quarterback, we could be three and one easily. And really, I think it's a matter of if one penalty or one dropped catch was actually caught we could be three and one. I think it could go both ways. I am of the mindset that, you know, Bethards is just too young, too inexperienced, has not had the time to study the playbook and master the playbook. He's working with the practice squad. He gets limited practice with the first stringers. Yeah, he's got talent, but I think in a high pressure situation like a game, a real game that counts for something, I think we're better off staying with Hoyer. Um, I do have a quote from Kyle Shanahan that I also wanted to talk about a little bit, which we've kind of already done, but um, I think this was Monday during his press conference. He said, and I look at each game where you know, I know we're 0-4 and it feels 
um, extremely bad when you when you are 0 and 4. And I've been in that situation in the NFL, and it, it doesn't feel good. But um, you, you don't want to lose perspective, you know. So you try to look at each game as it is. And you know, I, I know we're 0 and 4 right now, but it, when you lose a total of three games by eight points, um, I know we very easily could be three and one. And um, you don't want to make drastic changes just for one reason, as there's a lot of things that go into losing games. It's never just one guy. And um, I try to put all of that into thought. How do you evaluate how players play? I, I think he needs to play better. And I think we need to play better around him. You know, it's similar to what I said last night. You know, when, when you have the time and you got guys open, you need to hit them. And um, I thought he struggled with that at times last night, which I know he can do better, and he does also. Um, but I also know when he did make some key throws, um, guys weren't great at catching it for him either. So I think it's a two-way street. I think it takes everyone, coaches included. Um, we all need to do better, and um, that's what we got to do. And this is the piece I really keyed in on was his perspective is you try to look at each game as it is. And I really think he's right because there were a lot of other elements that could have changed any of those three losses. I think he's right, Kat. But for me, the real issue regarding Kyle Shanahan, though it may not be a problem as such, because I think he will become a good head coach. But right now, he's come to us off the back of his success in Atlanta. He has his reputation as being the offensive genius in the league. And we've simply not seen offensive production. Now, yes, we do have to remember that he was used to dealing with an MVP quarterback in Matt Ryan and players like Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman. And here in San Francisco, shall we say, the offensive talent is not on the same level. Right. There's no talent there for him to work with. But when you come to us with that sort of reputation, that sort of label, that's where frustrations are coming because people... Yes, there's been an improvement on offense, uh, defense, sorry, but on offense, we're, just, we're not seeing it and people are getting frustrated because their expectation of what we were going to see and what we are seeing in these first four games are not really related. Uh, I think given time, it'll, it will kick in, but that's where the frustration is coming in. Yeah, and I think that we're going to get games like this. We're going to, you know, that it's not going to be straightforward. I think we all right we had a, a reasonably tight game against the Rams um but again it's going to it's going to take time there's going to be setbacks it's it's going to take time and it, you know it's not going to be a, a quick fix solution I think that um John Lynch made may also made a statement that it was going to take time and you know obviously these guys have been bought in they're on six year contracts it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, I believe that we will get some wins. Um, I, I think it's, you know, as I say, we've got a few, we've got another difficult, I think we've got another difficult road game, although although the Colts, they've not been playing brilliantly. I think that, again, it's it's just going to, it's going to take some time to kind of get used to how, how everybody's kind of, kind of playing. Well, it hasn't, haven't we been saying this this scheme of Shanahan's is rather technical and rather um, complex? So it's not something that even someone like Bethards could pick up within, you know, four weeks of practice during the regular season. You know, I just I I am of the mindset. You know, I've seen things people say, fire Shanahan, fire um, 
you know, Fire Hoyer, Bench Hoyer, Fire Shanahan, and all those calls. And I, I just don't buy it. I've never bought into that either. You know, I think a coach needs more than one year to, to build, yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I think I said it even when, um, we had, uh, Tom Sula as coach, you know, he, you got to give him a chance. Um, I, what I see is Shanahan does not have the talent that he had in Atlanta, you know. And I guess the difficulty is, Kat, that obviously, I'm, I'm going back to the Jim Harbaugh days, but when he came in, he had a team that was kind of, in a sense, he had quite an experienced team to kind of fall back on. And he did, I believe he did quite well in his first year when, when he was with us. And I think the thing is that people are kind of expecting that, we're going to be able to, you know, straight away perform like that. But I think that, you know, we're a very young team and it's, it is going to take time with, 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 with Shanahan and the system. Well, and there's, you know, we're not going to be like the Rams. Look at the Rams this year. They're actually viable, you know, and he's a first year, first time coach. The Rams are viable, but under coach Sean McRae, yes. But the reason for that is the, the existing talent level and experience level on that team is a lot higher than we have now and you'd expect to see it with people like Andrew Whitworth coming in you'd expect to see better results than perhaps the 49ers are putting up right now I do wonder uh, as I said it in the group the other day in Facebook and I know it got a little bit of comment and a little bit of reaction but I am curious as Shanahan or Mike, Kyle Shanahan's offense does have this kind of plug in and play next man up running back mentality like his dad's before him and Carlos Hyde although he has many skills and is very productive putting up yards etc picked up a little bit of fumbleitis in overtime obviously but um, one of his skill sets is not the blitz pickup as Michael pointed out a couple of weeks ago when he was on and it came all too evident on Sunday for me we, a lot of people getting frustrated. Why is Hoyer taking a sack? Why is, why is this? And the reason that sack is occurring is because Hyde is just whiffing on the protection. And we can't have that. Matt Burida, though, inexperienced, is standing in the pocket making his blocks. And Hyde is, doesn't appear to be putting in the same ability level. For me, I would be playing Juzek and Burida more. Maybe we need to move to a max protect scheme just to give Hoyer a bit more time and that's not going to happen with Hyde there. So given his skill set, given he can put up yards, maybe he has trade value, maybe he's valuable to somebody else and possibly we could get a guard or a centre or something else for him at this point. It should benefit us more in the sh short term. And we could probably get something for him because he does have skills, maybe better suited for a different scheme. Rob, it sounds to me like you're saying that you think that we should have somebody like Frank Gore back. <laughs> I appreciate that, but personally, I like Burida. I'd be happy to see more of him and Juzek in the game. I think it would help with the blocking, as I said before. And obviously, um, if we can protect more and we get better passes out. Yes, although Pierre Garçon didn't have his best game against Arizona, we know he's a threat, but let's face it, it was better. there was an awful lot of drops in the game on, on Sunday. But there are positives. Let's, let's look at the defense, for example. Well, before we move to defense, I want to I want to props give props to Joe Staley and Trent Brown. You know, those two gave up three pressures and no sacks in eighty four offensive snaps. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> yes, they're very good. I believe 
they've actually ranked sort of the top two tackles in the league at the moment. Mm-hmm. And if we look at who they've gone up against, in the likes of Robert Quinn, Michael Bennett, Julius Peppers, they've gone up against some of the premier pass rushers in the league and done that very so. well. So yeah, credit where credit's due. They're doing very, very well. It's just that interior line is not up to the same standard. So looking at some other positives, because really, you know, we don't want to, to complain about our team. That's for sure. That, that makes for bad listening. But look at some of the positives on our defense. Let's talk about our defense. We've got D-Buck. Six pressures, two hurries, three hits, his first sack of the season. And he made two stops and batted a pass down at the line. <laughs> The man's on fire. Yes, D-Buck is doing really well. For me, personally, I think he's benefiting as well from having Eric Armstead alongside him. Obviously, they're together at Oregon College. They've known each other for a long time. They know what each other are going to do. Armstead seems to be really stepping up for me and creating pressure, giving opportunities to D-Buck, and he's taking advantage. Mm -hmm. And how? But also, when we're talking about the D-line, we need to point out that actually Solomon Thomas, as the rookie, is coming and is doing well too. Yeah, I was going to say Thomas is been playing he played quite well in that game um i also liked what um deforest buckner did um i think that obviously he's getting more and more used to playing kind of at this level um yeah i i I thought they both did well and they they collapsed on um palmer a couple of times well not more than a couple of times (laughs) a few times during during the game um it was really good to see the progress in in terms of what what they were what they were doing and um, I think that, you know, obviously they're, they're young young players and it's going to be good for, for the team in terms of moving forward. Well, Thomas had five tackles and he's been solid in all three games he's played. Plus, this is the second week that he has, out of three weeks, that he has been nominated for the Pepsi's Defensive Rookie of the Week. So he's, he's getting noticed around the NFL, which is nice. And of course, Elvis was in the building. Elvis got his 100th and 101st sacks of his career. Good for him. I think it's a shame that we're we're obviously still um, missing uh, Reuben Foster. Um, Don't tell James. I know uh, James is fa- <laughs> James's favorite player, um, but it's with good reason, really. I mean, in, in that first game, he played amazing. But it's just a shame that we've, you know. Obviously, had he's he's gone out with a high ankle sprain. I think once he comes back, um, and hopefully, you know, obviously, I, I can see what Shanahan's doing, giving him time to try and get rested. And I'd rather, ha- you know, as I say, I think a lot of has been put on um, Facebook on the Facebook group chat around the fact that you need to kind of give him time to uh, get back to his fitness. Um, and I, I guess that's the same with. Um, oh, blimey. Eric Reed. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. yeah. Eric Reed as well. Uh, I think that obviously, you know, it's just waiting waiting for them to kind of be back to full fitness and back into the team really. Yeah, neither expected to play this weekend, which is probably a good thing. I'd rather them be back healthy because our defense really seems to be gelling and and being a cohesive unit together. And the amount of effort they put out last week with as long as they were on the field, 27 minutes, I think, they were on the field, not counting uh, overtime. Um, you know, they didn't lose a step until overtime. So even though they had to have been gassed. Were they gassed or was it play calling? For me, we have to remember that when the defense came on the field in overtime, it was just off the back of a seven-minute drive by our offense. 
which is probably the longest mm-hmm. break they've had all season, to be fair. And given they were yeah. sort of lights out going after Carson Palmer <laughs> right up to the final <laughs> tick of regulation, <laughs> suddenly they come out having had a seven-minute gap or break for them and play prevent D. Prevent yeah. defense prevents you from winning. And I don't understand why mm. we did that. I don't think it was the right decision. We just give them a chance to settle down and make a few plays, get some rhythm up. Prevent never actually helps anybody. But I don't think they were gassed. I think the defence that was played was by design and I don't think it was the right decision. And it, it's such a shame because we were doing... I, I just felt that, you know, going into the first part of that over time, we were doing so well and I was convinced. I was talking to Bjorn on, on Facebook and saying to him, I think we're, we're, we're really going to win this, but it's it's hard that, you know, in the end we, we kind of had to go on the field goal and obviously... Yeah, the the Cardinals came back and it was a it was a good pass to Fitzgerald. Um, such a shame. Yeah. Always, he's a Niner killer. And not to forget the beast, he did have three stops or the monster, three stops, eight tackles, and a hit on Palmer. Bowman's sitting on seventeen total tackles for the season. So we've got some talent on defense. Nothing to to cry about there. Defense is a bright spot overall especially with Eric Reed out yeah absolutely and when we haven't had a three-day turnaround the defense is really stepping up obviously when you ask them to play two games like that like they did against the Rams the performance slumps a bit but give a full week this defense is stepping up well before we continue on one of the original founders of the Niner Empire GB and former host of the Frequency 49 show has a special announcement for us please welcome Paul McDonald The Frequency 49 show continues to expand its worldwide audience and we would like to thank you, the listeners and contributors, for making the show so popular. Everyone involved in making the show, from the presenters in front of the microphones to the researchers and editors in the backroom, give their time freely. However, there are costs in publishing the shows and keeping the archived episodes available to all. To raise funds to cover the cost of publishing, we've set up a GoFundMe page for anyone that may wish to donate towards those running costs. No matter how much you can afford to donate, we appreciate it, and it'll keep the show on the air for another year. If you'd like to donate, visit GoFundMe.com and search Frequency 49 Show. Visit our Facebook page, Niner Empire GB, for more information, or click on the link in the show's description. Interest is based on show content. Approval is subject to you being a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. Your home is at risk if you set fireworks off in it. Okay, thanks, Paul. Now, moving on to this week's game. The 49ers are heading into Indianapolis to take on former 49er great Frank Gore and the 1-3 Indianapolis Colts. The 49ers are currently one-and-a-half-point underdogs, while the Colts are relying on rookie Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, while Luck is easing back into practice this week. What do you guys expect to see on this game? Rob, do you want to go first? <laughs> I'm going to take on James, Mr. Positive Tag, for once. So I feel really positive about this game against Indianapolis. Yes, they got T.Y. Hilton. He is very good. They obviously have Frank Gore. We know all about him. But I don't think they've got much to worry about personally as an overall team. When we've got a whole week and not three days, I think the defense can, set, can step up and sh- shut down T.Y. And Frank and obviously Mr. Brisket or Biscuit, <laughs> whatever he's called. <laughs> Biscuit. <laughs> Hasn't got the experience. I think we can rattle him as well. Looking at the Colts defensively, they're not 
anything special, anything to write home about. So I think our offense could actually step up and if there's ever going to be a breakout week, this could be it. I think that we're going to do okay in terms of our our defense um it will be good good to kind of obviously it's that long week as rob's just mentioned um i think with i was watching the game actually prior to coming on to to the set um and watching the the, the seahawks versus the colts last week and i think Brissett's going to be if we can if our defense can be stable and close down Brissett's running game then we we should should be okay. Um, I think that the when I, when I was watching the game, the offensive line were doing quite well in terms of keeping the pressure away from Brissett. So again, it, it, it's whether or not our our defense turns up on 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 the night. Um, Malik Hooker, who's I think he's one of the he's like one of the rookie safeties. Um, I, I was listening and he he's made some picks in the last three games so I think Brian Hoyer is really going to have to I mean, I mean in terms of and I, I know I'm kind of going back a little bit to last week to, to, to Sunday around you know the fact that he was quite one-dimensional in his play and everything I think Hoyer really does need to kind of look look and kind of see what plays are happening because I think that you know if, if he doesn't if he makes any mistakes then Hooker by all means could could you know could make some interceptions um in the afternoon game um so and as i say i think i looked at the stats and he's made three picks in in the last three games so well i don't know if it's three picks but there's been some picks in the last three games so yeah again i think it's just whether or not we're going to need hoyer to kind of turn up and and play So we need the team that showed up and played the Rams, not the team that showed up and played the Cardinals. We need a bit of both. We need the offense from the Rams and the defense from the Cardinals games. That will do us just fine. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Was it 46 points that the Seahawks put on them? Yeah, I think it was something. It was 46-17, but I guess in a sense what I was trying to look at was looking at what what was happening and how, how that compared. And I think I've been doing that more and more in in terms of watching the past game. So, um, for instance, I was watching the um, Cardinals game and I saw what Dallas did to them the week prior. And I thought, oh, you know, if we could get, you know, somebody like um, Hyde to do some some moves, um, then, yeah, you know, against what would what would have happened against the uh, Cardinals uh, defense. I would have thought, yeah, yeah, it would have been good. But as I say, it's... Yeah, it's, a, it's just part. Of it. Just being optimistic, I guess. <laughs> it's okay to be optimistic. <laughs> For me, I've let in forty-six points against Seattle. There was another forty-six against the Rams. Now we know the Rams are a better offensive team than perhaps they have been in the past, but I don't really rate the Indianapolis defense that that much. And I think we can take advantage of the Colts' defense. Well, let's see. The Colts have allowed an average of 34 points over per game so far. So they're last in the NFL. And the Niners have allowed an average of 23.5 points per game. So they're 24th in the NFL. So, I mean, on paper, it looks like we should have this. I don't know. Um, do we know if I'm kind of throwing this back to you? But I don't know. Is Marcus Goodwin going to be back this week? He is on concussion protocol. He sustained a concussion uh, during the first quarter. 
Mm. I think that if we if we could have somebody that you know if we had him back, I think again we we we, we kind of struggled with with him because obviously he was making some good runs in in the Cardinals game. Um, yeah, so ho hopefully if he if he's back and then we we should have more of a, a chance offensively. I think if we get can get Breda and Uzcheck moved into the rotation a little more where they're carrying the ball, I think our rushing game is definitely going to be vastly improved. And against that their defense, eh, I think we could do it. Also, of course, Pierre Garçon is playing his old team this week. He'll be a little bit of extra motivation in the passing game. And in the passing game, I think we'll also see the likes of Trent Taylor worked in even more, especially if Goodwin can't go. And my bold prediction for this game is there will be a big special teams play from Victor Bolden. Oh, I would love that. We've seen in the preseason what he can do, and I think it's time we're going to see it again. He's due. The only thing that I, of course, you know, being the cautiously optimistic person that I am, the only thing that I see that would really, really motivate the Colts is that Frank Gore just needs four rushing yards to move up to seventh on the all-time list in front of Eric Dickerson. That's some heavy hitters there, Eric Dickerson. Let's give him five yards on the first play, and then Bowman takes him out straight away, game over. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about on this game? No, I, no, I think that we've kind of covered everything. Um, yeah, it's... it's I, I was watching, just going back to the game, I think, obviously... Just following that, um, Robbie mentioned about um, Hilton, you know, being a threat. But I think we, <laughs> we can't count out Moncrief as well, which, is, you know, he, he also scored a touchdown that game. So um, I guess we're just going to have to see what happens on, on Sunday. Okay, well then that means it's time for our two-minute drill. And I do mean two-minute drill. Are we ready, gentlemen? I have the stopwatch ready. I've got my timeouts ready. You, and I've got my yellow flag ready. Okay, here we go. Richard Robinson, one season wonder, sophomore slump, or franchise corner? Nathaniel. Franchise corner. Okay, Carlos Hyde is in a contract year. Extend or let him become a free agent? Rob. Let him go. Eric Reed is also in a contract year. Extend or let him walk? Nathaniel. No, I say extend with, with, with Eric Reed. KC are the only remaining unbeaten team. Can they go all the way, Rob? No, someone will stop them later on in the year. Oh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on who. Patriots have started 2-2, two and two, the same records as the Jets. What? Which is the biggest surprise, Nathaniel? I think the biggest surprise was the first game, really, because I, I think that um, basically it was just a... You know what what Kansas City did to them in the first game. Nobody saw that coming. They were celebrating a Super Bowl win. So I think that was probably one of the biggest surprises for most of the people that are, that have been watching. <laughs> Niners defensive season MVP so far, Rob. Navarro Bowman. Niners offensive season MVP so far, Nathaniel. Pierre Garcon, I think. Trade deadline is coming up later this month. What would it take for you to trade a sta trade Staley, a third rounder? Rob? I'm not interested in trading Joe Staley. I'd keep him no matter what. 
good answer. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, a pain in the nine. Oh, I'm not going to say that word. A pain in the Niners behind or a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Nathaniel. I think um, I, I really like him. I know that he's, you know, he's the 49ers. Oh, Achilles heel, if you like. But I, I really, I really do like, you know, I do like him. Um, so I say Hall of Famer. Okay, we're almost out of time. Trubisky has been named the Bears' starting quarterback for the next game. Did we make the right choice with Thomas at three, or should we have stayed at two and taken Trubisky? Rob. We've done the right thing in keeping Solomon Thomas, not Trubisky. <laughs> anyway, that's our two-minute drill. Okay, dismiss phone. Uh, okay, we're wrapping it up. So predictions for this game. What do you think, Nathaniel? Who are you going to pick? I'm going to pick the Niners, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think we're going to see something probably in the region of oh, 20, 27 to 21. Mm. Rob? My prediction is that we will win this game for a lot more comfortably than we thought. I'm saying 10 to 13 points. So if I have to give a score, I'm going to say Niners 30 Colt 17. Oh, we're picking scores now too, huh? Okay, so I'm picking the Niners like I do every week. I'm currently 0-4. Um, I think I think the Niners are going to win on my defensive score, my pick six I've been waiting for for a while. Um, I'm going to say 35-28. to 28. And that's the show for this week. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to many people who help us with our group and the show. That would be Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell, Daryl Nils Hanman, Deepak Gohill, Paul McDonald, James Little, and Graham Ross for all the work you guys do on the show and in the group. We thank you, thank you. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NinerGB and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. Of course, you can always email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. Time to say goodbye, boys. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. On behalf of Rob Newell and Nathaniel James, I'm Kat Victorino. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.